Take the first step to invest in your future. Explore SB Jane's 18-month part-time executive MBA designed for busy working professionals like you. To know more about the program, the scholarships we offer, and about our October 2019 intake, visit www.svjane.sg/emba. The reason there's so many people in entrepreneurship today is it's very easy, and I'm going to use that. It is easy to raise a million dollars for your idea now. Not the case when I was growing up. Ask yourself how much you've been succumbing to peer pressure. Like if you've always wanted to be cool to the popular kids in your high school, you're in trouble because that means you're pandering to a system. Hello, welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. The Leaders of Learning podcast is a show that explores learning in the 21st century with educators, leaders, and entrepreneurs from around the world. Check out our website on www.leadersoflearning.asia. You can also follow us on our social media on Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Being your own boss, calling all the shots, hustling to hit your goals. This is the dream for many, to become an entrepreneur. Running your own business can be incredibly rewarding, exhilarating, and full of opportunities. Yet, it can be very, very difficult. So difficult, in fact, that 75% of startups fail. So what do we need to become a successful entrepreneur? Can anyone learn to become one? Here to help us make sense is Gary Vaynerchuk, also known as Gary V. If you don't know him already, he is a serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, and social media influencer. I feel truly blessed and grateful to have this opportunity to speak to Gary V. I hope you will enjoy this special episode as we speak about entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Ling Ling. Joining us is a very special guest, Gary V. Gary V is a serial entrepreneur, investor, New York Times bestseller. What else am I missing, Gary? <laughs> Those are it's all It's like plenty. a whole bunch Thank of you. stuff. Good to see you. <laughs> and all around a really cool guy. If Thank you don't you. know him already, please listen to this podcast episode. So I've become an entrepreneur about two years ago, a little baby compared to you. And of course, it's a roller coaster ride. Yes as being an entrepreneur. And I believe a lot of my listeners are also interested or thinking about starting their own thing. So I thought maybe I could take this time to help my listeners try to figure out how they start. So one of my questions I have is, you know, what is the biggest thing you struggled with most as an entrepreneur? Not being able to be one. What does that mean? That means that the first 12 years of my school career were genuinely, and I mean this, the day I left college to go work in my dad's liquor store and really run it at that point because I grew up in that store, I can remember almost everything about my last day in college, driving down Route 95 from Boston to New Jersey, and that afternoon at like 6.13, pulling up, it's funny that I am that specific with my time, but I remember looking at the car clock, I spent an hour working in the store before we went home. And that's like literally how my career started. Like I loved it so much that after driving for seven hours, cause there was a lot of traffic that day from college, 
that I wanted to work an hour in the liquor store to like start my career. So the hardest thing for me, and there's a very specific reason I'm saying this to everybody, the hardest thing for me being an entrepreneur has been not much because it is truly, truly my place. And I do believe that self-awareness is very important. And so it's hard for me to think about the negativities of entrepreneurship uh, because I just genuinely love it so much. I love when I lose a client. I love when somebody quits. I love when somebody steals from me. And I know this sounds weird, and obviously I don't love when somebody steals from me, but I'm so grateful to genuinely be doing what I was meant to do that it's hard for me to get going. And look, entrepreneurship is lonely. I always wonder, I think people are a scale from zero to 100 in everything. Singing, looks, humor, patience. I think we go from zero to 100. I think when it comes to entrepreneurship, I really genuinely think I'm 100. I struggle with any of the negativities. You know, I say that entrepreneurship is lonely because it is, but I like being lonely. I like being on a 17-hour flight like I was today and thinking for two, three hours about only negative stuff, stuff that most people don't want to be thinking about, this problem, that problem. So that's my yeah, story. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you about being very lonely in the entrepreneurial journey because everyone has their own ideas, they want to execute it, but to get people to follow along with you is not as easy. So if any of our listeners would like to start their own business or become an entrepreneur, what are the key things they need to consider first before they embark on that journey? Right now, entrepreneurship is cool, it's flashy, it's exciting. And so the first thing I think they need to think about is, look, if you're looking to sign up for this, rest assured that the first five to six years are gonna suck. They're gonna be lonely, they're gonna be difficult. What has made it less suck is there's so much capital being thrown at people. The reason there's so many people in entrepreneurship today is it's very easy, and I'm gonna use that. It is easy to raise a million dollars for your idea now. Not the case when I was growing up. Not the case after the economy is going to collapse inevitably at some point. So what's happening is people are getting tricked because they're raising capital and they think they're doing well, but they're burning cash. And the reality is they're only in fundraising mode at all times. And so A, if they're thinking about it, recognize that if you're fortunate enough to be in a family, in a situation that's going to allow you to raise capital, recognize that that is most likely going to be your vulnerability. It's going to feel good up front, but on the back end, it's going to be your vulnerability. And for the people who are listening that don't have the luxury of raising capital, recognize that you have an advantage. You're going to be forced to actually make money. And one of the things I'm most proud of is the two businesses I've run, there was no capital infusion. There wasn't a credit line or raising capital to build winelibrary.com, but there was a foundation of a business my dad have. But Vayner Media started a conference room like this with no capital, and I was always forced to make money. And I think for anybody who's listening, instead of thinking about raising capital, why don't you try to figure out how to make money? But if that's the case, recognize it's going to take a half decade of a lot of grinding. Yeah. I remember listening to a talk somewhere. One of the local entrepreneurs said the best money to earn is the money from your clients and not from your investors. And that kind of just blew my mind away. It's like, oh yeah, that's really true. Because in a way it's a validation from your clients, right? If they're willing to pay for your services or product. Oh gosh. I mean, I couldn't agree more with whoever said that. I mean, to me, this will be known as the great era of people building financial arbitrage machines, not companies. People are building decks and taking meetings with VCs all day, they're not worried about their product. 
I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, I mean, I just, there's an enormous amount of bad companies in the world today because there's so much capital and that will eventually go away. As an independent podcaster, I've dedicated hours and sweat to bring to you great content on professional and organizational development. With this, I'm ever so grateful to be supported to keep the podcast show running. Let's take a break and hear from our partners. Have you been contemplating whether an executive MBA is the right career strategy to achieve your professional goals? Well, it's time you made that shift from being an individual contributor to a forward-looking leader. Go beyond domain knowledge and functional expertise to claim your leadership position. Start by exploring the 18-month part-time executive MBA at SP Jane School of Global Management. The SP Jane EMBA is designed to enable senior professionals like you acquire strategic business and leadership skills. It's part-time and flexible structure allows learning without interrupting your career. Study with highly accomplished and like-minded peers from diverse backgrounds and graduate with a globally recognized Australian degree. Want to know more? Visit www.spjane.sg emba to start shaping your future today. Let's get back to the show. You mentioned earlier about the biggest challenge is not being an entrepreneur. Do you believe it's an entrepreneur is something that you're born with passionate or is it something that can be learned? And if it can be learned, what are the characteristics of an entrepreneur that can make them successful? I believe that entrepreneurship is similar to dancing and singing and playing ping pong and basketball. What that means is it can be taught. The problem is being a successful entrepreneur means that you have to be good. What does that mean, good? Good means you need to be able to sustain and make money and not go out of business. <laughs> and I don't think everybody is capable of that. I don't think that, you know, most people are not capable of getting paid to sing. Forget about being Beyonce or Lady Gaga. I mean, can you make money singing on a cruise ship or in a bar or playing local pubs to sustain your lifestyle? It's difficult. And I think most people are not capable of building an entrepreneurial business that sustains their life. But it also sounds like to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to be first and foremost a salesperson and not just for singing or dancing because people who are singing or dancing, they love doing that, right? But yeah. to get money, you need to have sales skills, no? Yes, I mean, obviously generating revenue is part of it. And so, and there are a lot of people who are not capable of selling However, she or he can partner with a salesperson or hire one. And, you know, if you're the greatest maker of pudding in the world and you're going to have the best product in the world and you have a secret recipe from your grandmother and you're a hustler and you want to make a pudding, but you're petrified to sell to people, you partner with somebody or you hire somebody after you raise capital or start selling a little bit at first. So, yes, I do think that a singular person if they have no partnerships in the beginning, needs to understand how to generate revenue. I think these things are teachable, but I think people need to know that they have a ceiling because entrepreneurship is a skill. And in any skill, we have a ceiling. I can become a much better painter tomorrow than I am today. I just don't think I'm going to be an all-time painter. Mm, okay. So it's just understanding and recognizing one's own limits on how much you want to do. And, and you know what's funny? It's not that I want to contain things into limits. It's that I want people to start realizing entrepreneurship is a talent. Everybody just thinks like you say you're one and away you go. And they would never do that with being a professional skier or a professional three-star chef. But for some reason, the nature of business is so 
inclusive, which is amazing. The problem is it got so cool that now we have a whole generation of people who are forcing themselves to be entrepreneurs to fit in and that just don't have it. And that's gonna lead to a very scary place because what's very amazing about entrepreneurship is that it's inclusive. What's very devastating about entrepreneurship is it's not forgiving. Why isn't it forgiving? Because when you lose, you're out of business and everybody knows. You know, your parents know, the world knows, and you've failed. And that is tough because when you're not an entrepreneur, failure is scary. And so that framework leads to depression and unhappiness, and that needs to be the ambition of human beings. And so I'm a little bit worried that we've overcorrected. I'm thrilled that entrepreneurship is now viable, and it's not just go to college and get a job. I'm a little concerned that we've overcorrected and we have a great generation of people who are not prepared for the ultimate loss of public humiliation because they're talking a big game now. I'm gonna build a big company. And when it fails, it's gonna hurt. Some people, they're so ingrained in the idea of my idea of being a business and entrepreneur and they think it's really big, it's gonna change the world, but how would you know if you're ready for the big humiliation that you're talking about? some people are just so big in their ego. I think my idea is great and fantastic and they put a lot of effort in it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think anybody who's listening right now, if you want to set yourself up for success, ask yourself how much risk you've taken in the first 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years of your life. Ask yourself how much you've been succumbing to peer pressure. Like if you've always wanted to be cool to the popular kids in your high school, you're in trouble because that means you're pandering to a system. So I don't know if anybody knows what they're prepared for. I think people are way more prepared for things than they realize on the flip side. But yeah, I mean, that's the other thing right now. We have these spectacular companies like Uber and Facebook and WeChat and all these companies that make everybody think you have to make a game-changing technology or things of that nature. The reality though is 99% of people should have aspirations to build a business that does 500,000 a year in revenue, not 500 trillion, but everybody's trying to build the next Instagram. And I think that's going to be a problem. Yikes, yikes, that's so scary. Well, talking about Instagram, you're also this social media mogul globally. Where do you think Asia is going when it comes to the social media landscape? Will we see more of the usual suspects like Facebook or Instagram, or shall we see something a little bit more like podcasting, for example? Hmm. So Asia is an interesting spot, right? Because mainland China outside of Russia is really one of the few places at scale because obviously there's Line and, and there's other there's things. But mainland China is the one place, WeChat, Weibo, that has massive scale in social networks. It's really been interesting for me to watch Southeast Asia adapt US platforms, adapt Chinese platforms. I actually think Southeast Asia as a whole is one of the most dynamic places for this conversation because they're influenced by both sides more than anywhere else I've seen in the world. So, you know, I I view podcasting as a medium in itself that is slightly different than the way we think about social media. But to your point, I do think that social media has become a broadcasting platform, which is no different than podcasting. Look, I think humans want to communicate, and they always have. And so whether it's written word, audio, or video, that is what we will always do. And so I think cultural, contextual nuances always play throughout the world. We've seen it in cuisine and in fashion, and we will see it in technology behaviors. 
But I think the opportunity has never been greater for human beings to take advantage of opportunities in front of them because of the scale of these platforms. And obviously, every country has its own dynamics of censorship or I think Americans are very naive. They cast judgment on places like China or Russia, but we have our own versions of it in America. It just plays out differently. And so there's a lot of different sandboxes, a lot of different opportunities. Some places have more opportunities than others. Some are rigged games more than others, but the reality is it's a special time. So just broadcast, use whatever medium, depending on what you do. The fun thing here is like, look, we don't have to predict the next medium. We just need to properly use the medium of today. You know, a lot of people are like, Gary Vee, what's next? I'm like, I have no idea. I've never ever predicted anything. I've just been the fastest to move on everything. Mm, I see, I see. So if you could offer a first-time entrepreneur one piece of advice, what would that be? Don't listen to a soul. Don't listen to the positive. Don't listen to the negative. You'd listen to too much positive. You become entitled and soft. You listen to too much negative. You become weak and scared. Don't listen to anything. Listen to your consumer. Not the headlines, not your parents, just your consumer. Fantastic. Gary, thank you so much for being on the show. It's such a pleasure to have you with with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. That was Gary Vaynerchuk, also known as Gary V. If you don't know him already, he's a serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, and social media influencer. We just spoke about becoming an entrepreneur. Check out our YouTube channel to watch a video recording of our interview. In the next episode, I have invited Maital Barouche, an organizational and intercultural consultant, as well as a professional speaker. We will be discussing and sharing stories about our intercultural experiences and the importance of preparing for a globalized world. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. If you believe this podcast show will help a friend or family, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. I'm your host, Ling Ling. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast.